And welcome back to the 2020-30 podcast. My name is Max. And I am Magdalena. And we are the co-founders and co-CEOs of Studio MMO4 and the organizers of the 2020-30, the Berlin Fashion Summit. And we're excited to continue in season three of our podcast with more content about transforming the denim sector. Last episode, we had a really interesting deep dive with two of the major players in the Dutch denim deal, Rosemarie and Arnaud. And Rosemarie, you already potentially saw speaking at our denim pop-up um, during the last fashion week. But Arnaud, who is a, a brilliant uh, uh, stakeholder in our community and network, was for our guest for the first time and we really enjoyed his content and his perspective. That was really interesting and I really recommend to listen to that episode. Actually, today we are sitting here as three hosts and Lou Croft-Blake is joining us from our team from Studio MMO4. Hi Magda, thanks so much. Uh, my name is Lou and not only do I work at Studio MMO4 with Max and Magdalena, I also help to organize 2020-30 at the Berlin Fashion Summit. I'm super excited for this episode to bring in three guests, two of them you might have caught at our Uh, denim pop-up back in July. Uh, so it'll be Mar Marion von Rappard, who's the founder and owner of Don Denim, Sema Gedek, who's the founder and CEO of Alf Algenhöhe, along with their brand ambassador, Mick Menert. And we are going to get into my personal favorite topic within the denim sector, which is inclusivity. They're all really brilliant and we're super excited to bring them into this interview. So, Lou, can you just tell us a little bit background, how they met and how they came into like a collaboration? So we had this really fun moment um, after we learned about their kind of chance encounter at the summit. Our hashtag at the summit is hashtag connecting progressive minds. And so basically, Janina Nagel, who is also somebody from Alf Algenhut, said that one of the most important things for adaptive fashion, specifically denim for people of small stature, is to have uh, baggy jeans, which apparently you just can't find out in the market. And uh, Marion, who's you know the founder of Don Denim, heard that and said, well, maybe we could work together. Um, and so I think we're going to hear a little bit about how that process went for them today. Baggy jeans or no baggy jeans, at the end of the day, the fact that these two people even got into conversation with each other was super exciting. It's the thing that we look for the most when we host these events. I think we are also a little bit proud that we actually managed to um, get, uh, like, really connect progressive minds in that case. Uh, very practical. really connected. <laughs> <laughs> Now, to, that the, this project is actually coming to life. And it, it was actually, um, they were actually meeting through our platform, 2030 Summit. What about you, Max? Well, it's it's always obviously lovely if you can see the impact of your work so directly and, and you can actually follow it and, and possibly even be part and, and a supporter of its success. So yeah, I hope we, we can uh, um, really continue with that and, and, and see that our platform is not just a meeting point, but also uh, will be a supporting platform for the success of any kind of new inclusive product that might come out there. Okay, but let's listen to the interview now. So stage for you.
I'm so happy that you could all join me here today, virtually across different cities. The reason that we're all on this podcast episode together is mostly because there was this really incredible synergy that happened between you two at our last 2020-30 denim pop-up. Um, but before we launch into that story, could you all just maybe introduce yourselves and give a little background about the work that you do? Maybe um, we could start with, uh, sometimes I just like to go in like alphabetical first name order. So maybe we could start with Marion and then Mick and then Sela. All right. I'm, I'm Marion. And I'm the founder of Dawn Denim, as well as uh, our own factory in Saigon, Vietnam. Um, my role in the company is that practically owning the company. I'm officially also the CEO of the Vietnamese factory. Um, in Berlin, we have uh, a different CEO, and it's Isabel. And uh, yeah, that's, we, are, we are producing jeans as fair, as sustainable um, as we think is possible at this stage. And we are retaining them mainly in, in the Dach region, so in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Belgium. Yeah, that's that's about me. That's that's a great overview, and we can get more into these details as the conversation goes on. But um, Nick, could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I'm Mick. I'm from Germany, Berlin, and I'm an actor uh, and a model. And I work together with Sema at of Augenhöhe. And not just as a model, but also as an ambassador there and working also with uh, social media. Yeah, that's that's me. That is so cool. Um, you're going to have to tell us a little bit about what <laughs> what what media we can uh, see you in as an actor. I'm super curious, um, but we can we can come to that later as well. Uh and Sema, last but not least, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hello, first of all, everybody. Also from my side, I'm Sema. I'm the founder of Of Augenhöhe. And with Of Augenhöhe, we created a size chart system for, for people of short stature, starting with. And with Of Augenhöhe, actually, we are creating since 10 years now, a more inclusive fashion world and this is our core topic what we are um doing this is our this is our passion because we believe in a more inclusive fashion society and this is what we are working on yeah thank you i have been such a fan of the work of auf augenhöhe am i saying that right it's a bit That's harder great. Uh, you're saying it right perfect I've been what is the English translation um, to the next week? It means at eye level, which um, I think is beautiful. Um, and maybe before we go deeper into the stories about your work, we're kind of touching on this topic here of inclusive fashion. And I'm wondering, just for our audience, could we maybe start by aligning on a little bit of terminology? First of all, you mentioned people of short stature, which I think is an important term to get to get clear with our audience. And then also I'd love to hear a little bit about this word inclusive. It's buzzy. It's thrown around a lot these days. And I'd love to hear from you what that what that means in your context. Okay. In our context, inclusive fashion or inclusivity in general 
is uh, meant to have to build a fashion industry which is committed to ensure that people of all backgrounds like all body types, abilities, genders, ages and ethnicities are represented in the fashion industry. And inclusive fashion also means to celebrate and uh, yeah, to celebrate um, different types of bodies, for example, all what I mentioned within the fashion industry. And but nowadays, from today's perspective, it means also breaking barriers, breaking norms, defining new norms, and promoting, as I said, diversity in fashion design, marketing, but also retail. Um, yeah, this is inclusive, inclusive fashion. Well, I was also going to say that maybe the other term that we should quickly explain before we launch into this topic is what is adaptive fashion? Yeah. So adaptive fashion actually refers to uh, clothing apparel designs with specific needs and considerations of individuals with disabilities. Um, it also involves, for example, creating garments that are easy to wear and garments and items uh, which are created for a specific group and community. For example, as we start with Auf Augenhöhe for people of short stature. And this is adaptive fashion, like it refers more to a specific group of people where you are designing clothes for specific needs and wishes um, regarding to, for example, the body shapes. Which is super needed and not something that's really considered by the fashion world. As we know, fashion is historically built around uh, the normative body type. And so, yeah, the work that you're doing is incredibly inspiring. Um, I would love to just also quickly go into this thing that I, I feel is really a red thread between Don Denim and Auf Augenhöhe, which is that you both came from actually a very personal background in your founding of these companies. And so could you maybe just tell us a little bit of a story about how your own values and your own experiences guided your desire to start these brands and these initiatives? Yeah, um, I must say I feel very humble to be in this um, circle of uh, um, discussion about in inclusiveness um, because I I think I have to admit that my initial vision of establishing a company did not actually foresee what Dawn and the brand is going to develop into it. So when I started my own business, um, I was um, I was in Saigon back in 2009. And uh, I thought um, I was a little bit tired working for a company. And I thought, you know, um, I, I gained so much experience and knowledge to start my own business. And the initial thought was to be a kind of an agency niggling between factory and brands. And on one side, I'm um, helping factories to develop connections, you know, to understand more of European design requirements um, and to be an island ear over there for sustainable as well as for, for environmental standards. Um, ending up having my own factory with 310 employees was not planned at all. And I um, it, it just, um, and having my own brand was not planned at all. I think the only 
thing what I kind of envision in the beginning, maybe not even able to articulate it back then, was that I wanted to create a business that lasts, um, something which is there, yeah, which is personally started from me, but actually with the goal of making me, my personal involvement, less relevant at this at one stage. And that we had a factory and owning a factory, producing in this so-called fashion industry, um, kind of forced us to open our own brand as an as a tool to gain independency. So, um, and you know, doing that um, means Dawn was founded for one purpose, and that purpose is to you know create a, an eye to eye level relationship between the factory in the global south as it's called as well as a brand in uh, in europe um and yeah that's that's how i ended up having those companies super inspiring we also loved the keynote that you gave uh at the denim pop-up that was kind of talking about this this importance of aligning personal values with establishing brands in this way so thank you for for summarizing that for all of our listeners and, and Semo, could you tell us a little bit about why and how you founded Alf Algenhoek? Yeah, sure. Actually, I would like to start with my studies because I studied fashion design and clothing technology. And I loved my studies. Uh, I could completely express myself, develop my identity, understand who I am, because this is all what the study is also about, to really know what you are, what your passion is, what you, how you want to express, what you want to change socially and so on. And at some point during my studies, I was feeling a bit um, uncomfortable with the idea to um, land in an industry which doesn't align with my values at all. With this, I mean... I didn't understand at some point anymore why I should design closings for people who anyway have so much in their closet. And I was in a stage of my studies, even though I loved it, that I was thinking, actually, I should not finish these studies because I will not work in this industry, as I said, because it doesn't align anymore with my values. And while talking to my family about this phase of my um, studies and of, uh, yeah, um, with my family and with my friends, um, I realized actually that we have so many problems in the fashion industry, which we have to solve. And one of the problems next to, for example, sustainability and the production, the mm, the struggles we have with the mass production and so on was, for example, the topic around uh, people who got historically completely ignored in the fashion industry, like, for example, my cousin Funda, who lives in Turkey. My cousin Funda, she is a person of short stature. And she's completely into fashion with my family. When we traveled to Turkey during the summer breaks, school holidays, we always visited my um, family. And of course, I met also my cousin Funda and we spent the whole summer holidays together. And there I always saw that um, we both are have completely different access or not access to the world. And... 
as I said, Funda is completely into fashion and I knew always that her um, experience how to shop garments are completely different than my experiences. And while talking to my family, uh, yeah, my sisters, but also my parents, they told me, hey, Sema, what you're mentioning actually is really, really close to you and you can change something significant in the, wor in the fashion world. And they understood, they talk about my cousin. And then everything started actually because I started to look and research if there's really no company which creates clothes for, for example, people of short stature, if there are companies, fashion labels, um, creating clothes for, um, yeah, in general, disabled people next to short stature, people also wheelchair users and blind people. I was really going into it and I realized that there are no labels starting with short stature people who are offering clothes for short, people with short stature. And then I understood why researching more and more and going deeper and deeper in this field that the topic around adaptive and inclusive fashion, but also um, in general accessible fashion design is not a topic at all in the industry. And then I found myself like, really deep into this topic that I could be a part of a change and could develop something with all my know-how and skills I create during my studies regarding sizing systems, pattern constructions, and to create something completely new which doesn't exist so far. And the story started actually like that, that I got in touch with uh, organizations for people of short stature where actually I also met Mick, for example, uh, 10 years ago and the story started like that. I wanted to shorten it up now, it got a bit longer, but it's also a long story actually until today. So, yeah. And I think you've got all of our rapt attention through it. So thank you so much for sharing. I have more questions about it, but before we move into that, Nick, uh, I would also love to hear a little bit more about how you got involved with Alf Augenhöhe and what this work as a brand ambassador means, both for the community of people with short stature, but also, you know, opening it up to the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so I got involved with uh, yeah, 10 years ago at a weekend meeting of people with small stature, um, the BKNF, which is uh, German uh, Bundesverband der Kleinwüchsigen Menschen und deren Familie. So it's basically um, a a community for small people, I mean, people with small stature and their families. So people who, for example, get children um, who have small stature can get like advice from uh, from there how to, about schools and about uh, transportation and so on. And Sema was there and uh, she introduced her idea to us and I was immediately captivated by the story that she told about her cousin and I was like why not like we should like I didn't really think about it yet because I I was I got used to going to clothing stores uh to and then going to the seamstress and changing it like it was a normal thing then and so I felt 
really uh, humbled and excited to to start something that has never been made, and it was a it's a very long journey. It's still going to be a very very long journey, and yeah, I really really am thankful that she asked me and that I was there. It's really it's really incredible, and I'm just I'm wondering in that time since you've gotten started, has that representation in fashion expanded at all or is Alf Algenhua still really kind of the central organization at least in Germany who's designing clothing for people with short stature? I mean I find that it's slowly kind of I mean it's slowly getting noticed because um, it's being mentioned by Alf Algenhua a lot that there are these problems in the fashion industry and that there are people who struggle with uh, getting clothes that actually fit them and um, and you know like with clothes it's also like to express your personality and sometimes it's very very difficult to express your personality if you're limited to a certain amount of clothes that you're like oh okay I have to I mean I can wear this but this is not really me and it's something that just you put on and then fits and it feels good and you say this is me and I think it's slowly evolving but slowly but do you see that it's evolving not because it's part of an inclusive topic and like similar you know all those rainbow flags you see every brand is waving around or do you really think people are taking it seriously to to change something sorry for for jumping in no that was a great question no, I mean, I, I think they are noticing it and it's kind of a wave of okay. change coming. And, um, but I mean, it's not been loud enough. I mean, it's not big, not yet, but starting. We have the romantic view, I must say, that when organizations or individuals are, um, doing something and want to change something that they mean it seriously because we are like that and that's why i know we have this conversation a lot are they really mean it seriously or is it like inclusive washing and do they really mean it serious but we are such a committed team that we told ourselves that we believe in organizations and we believe in individuals when they want to start something then they really do it because we are like that but I am also super afraid, I must say, that in the end of the t- day, it's just like a way, like a trend. Organizations and individuals, they don't take it that serious. They just, just jump on this trend. And then after some time, they just quit uh, why ever they should quit. It could be also because... In the case of Auf Augenhöhe and inclusive fashion, I must say it is an untouched topic. It's something completely new. And this needs this leads to organizations to understand that there must be a big research behind. And um, organizations, they must also understand that this means to tackle or to make something inclusive means the commitment, responsibility, and for long-term and not just for short-term and 
yeah, these could be like, for example, some struggles which we can talk also about later. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree because also in my in my business as an actor uh, with a small stature, it's exactly the same because we're now as as I mean, I'm in, I'm afraid about this wave as well that this is like a trend. Like kind of the thing. Oh, this is now so new. Let's just try it, and, and then we'll. And then nobody will be interested anymore. So let's. And and I'm. That's why I'm also afraid about about my job and about the clothing industry that they just say it's so in now, but it's not in. It's a necessity for for because and the people that mostly say that it's such a trend. They don't need this, and that's why they're like, "Okay, we'll try it, and then next next year something else." And I find it should be a normal, like it should be normal, like just to go to a store and just and everybody could pick the same pants and or the same shirt and not feel uh, not included. I think. And what was really inspiring for me when Sam I had heard panel talk owning the stage at this summit um when you talked about inclusivity in the sense of not just providing the product but how can you just provide the product but you how can you gain credibility on those things if if nowhere in your company is actually a person instead you of like this is you know how how is this how is this possible and it to be honest i was completely unaware I, I must admit, uh, it's a completely new world for me. So we, when we first touched the topic inclusiveness, um, that was for us as a brand more something which was driven from the committee. So we got approached from, and we got a lot of emails from from uh, from women saying, "Hey, um, guys, why do you have only this fishbone models in your online shop?" Um, I want to buy a sustainable pair of jeans and be like, holy crap, no, of course, you know, um, that's, uh, we don't want to be this glossy brand um, seeking for perfections. We want to be this approachable, almost democratic brand. And so, and then we started the project with this community to invite them and to, you know, work on the pattern. And, but what we figured out, um, so three years now later is um, for us, I think we are really strong in creating great fits. We really understand how to translate needs into a fantastic product, but we're not selling it. <laughs> we don't have access to this audience. We don't have credibility. Um, and that's something which you completely underestimated in this product. So we had a, a lot of work in terms of research, research materials, a new pattern design it's it's a different way to calculate consumption a different waistband construction so we we did a lot of um the research and development and in the end we must admit so far it's a it's a lost case and we are it's hard for us to develop it further at this stage because we don't see really the traction on it and but we didn't start it just to paint ourselves as inclusive you know we started it as as an idea of, of course you know we one of the main things we we want to represent as a brand is to be this approachable brand, which is, um, I mean, I might go a bit far with this, but I, I really hate the word fashion, even though I understand it, you know, you can, 
you use fashion to to kind of um underline your personality um but fashion for me stands for so many wrong things and that's exactly what we don't want to be so um yeah it's just uh again like for me this part of inclusiveness inclusiveness was just not on my i don't know umbrella i don't know how you say that on the planet sure. i don't know and coming coming from inside the industry we are fed these really like rigid views of what is fashion and what is not fashion like i even remember in fashion school i was taught that there was a difference between fashion and apparel and i hate this um i really like using fashion as a verb not as a noun like to fashion something and because it is how we dress our bodies is such an important form of communication and so that form of that language should be accessible to the entire spectrum of body diversity whether it has to do with your stature, your ability, um, your size, like there should never be any barrier based on the body that you're born into. Um, but this this question of credibility is really interesting to me. And I kind of want to use this as the little, um, the little bridge into what I really want to talk with you both about today, <laughs> which is um, these, this question of building uh, in the past 2020-30 has used the term uh, Active Alliances for Positive Fashion. This was actually the title of our January edition that we had uh, last year. Um, and really kind of based around that the only way we can see like lasting change is through strong collaborations, not just through a bunch of people having random great ideas, not through you know, trying to convince the entire rest of the industry all at the same time, because that's a little bit unrealistic, but, but building these relationships that can then take important steps forward and kind of merge resources to meet merged needs. And there was this, this spark, this kind of iconic moment that happened at the denim pop-up that brought you two together, uh, where uh, Yanina Nagel, the community manager of Alf Augenhoe, uh, said that she was like really seeking a pair of baggy jeans could one of you pick up this story because i think i was backstage doing something when it actually happens but but what was this moment and what did it spark i mean from my side i was um, i was super impressed um i mean unfortunately i couldn't join a lot of panels um we were kind of busy on the fair but i was um super impressed like personally from sema like her stage owning representing <laughs> it was just a wow and uh and yeah it was a really really um inspiring story and when Janina said like um she was looking for her baggy jeans it felt just logic to text him immediately <laughs> i want to do your baggy jeans because it feels so it feels so right i mean again like i it and i mean we when we talk about collaborations you know the only way to do a collaboration is actually auf augenhoe um, you know, to create an equal partnership. And um, we experience is not so easy. You know, there's a lot of things to learn about each other in order to define strengths and weaknesses and to see how, how to take things further. But um, for me, yeah, that was really, it was a ins very inspiring moment. Um, and let's see what the future will bring. 
Yeah, definitely. And I also want to say that when uh, I got this message from Marianne, like, I want to do this baggy jeans with you, I just showed it immediately to Janina. And we both freaked out because I must say that this was always our dream. It was always our dream that we are collaborating with companies, with super cool companies, with sustainable small companies, but also big companies. Because 10 years ago, I tell you, really, it was complete, like, it was, it's real what I'm telling you. 10 years ago, we wrote different companies when Augury was just a project and didn't start yet. And I decided to do something. And I wrote a lot of companies, mostly German companies. And the, we, the feedback was, ah, nice project, but it's not our targeting group or we didn't get any feedback at all. And this made me so angry because I was thinking, yeah, it's not your targeting group because you don't target. The How should it be your targeting group when you don't target this group? And then it started like, uh, yeah, then we will do it ourselves. I will do it myself and I will show the fashion industry how messed up they are. And I will show them how inclusive fashion can work. And then it just started like this. But I also understood after meeting Meg and um, Janina and much more people like worldwide that we are not just a fashion label. Actually, we are a globally movement. And we can just reach what we are really dream about when we are collaborating with companies. And this was always from day one, our wish and goal, because we knew together we can create much more than just um, um, sitting in our studio and creating products one after the other. And when you, Marian, wrote us, I remember how Janine and I were like, oh my God. It's so cool because last year also other companies were writing us and we were like, oh my God, we are we are getting hopefully also fair and good and sustainable and committed what we always dreamed about, right? Mick, you also know this. You were always yeah. talking about that. There was like we had we had a lot of talks. I mean, a lot of meets and we were like, one day, one day, wouldn't it be great like that we just Yeah. Somebody writes us or we write and they write back and yeah, it's it's been yeah, a really amazing journey, and I think I mean we're not done yet. It's just like the tip of the tip of the iceberg, and um, yeah, like you said, like there's there's the one thing of getting it onto the market in the first place, finding people to collaborate with, but then there's also this other problem of oftentimes you see this siloing between progressive movements. Like we don't actually see that much overlap in conversation between the sustainability movement and the inclusivity movement. Um, and I'm curious, like, regardless of what happens of this potential for co collaboration between both of you, I'm curious, Sema, what is your advice for Marion on how to approach inclusivity, especially given this issue of credibility? And also, Marion, what is... What would you say to Sema for getting deeper into the ethical production and collaborating onto that? No, I think, I mean, that's, that's always the case um, when we do collaborations. It's, we see this um, always with the, I mean, with the kind of more holistic 
thing. So a holistic approach. So we're not just thinking, okay, what is here the added value for the brand? We also considering, okay, what is the added value for the factory? Or is there any value? Or is, are there any obstacles? And that's, of course, is the thing um, where we need to dig deeper. Means um, it's when it comes to fabric and material research, um, what are the requirements? What are the standards? And we we are we know how to do a great high quality product um and this goes usually through a lot of testing rounds and um um and then onboarding a new product group is for a factory it's not an easy easy thing um and that's that's you know where we are coming from um of course from a brand perspective it's there are only added values it's great i mean we are for the positioning and for um, awareness it's, it's fantastic and you know getting access to an to an additional new audience is, is you know what what do you want more but then there's of course the production side which we have to consider always um and um and that makes it um that makes it just more complex but it's it, again it's not impossible it's just it just takes more time to do the research to do to understand more and to make sure we we understand each other um, and uh, I mean we had our first talks from a brand perspective and I think we need to go deeper now on the on the production side level in order to see um, how we I don't know I don't want to even call it problems but how do we um, foresee certain barriers and, and obstacles in, in order to get things sorted. Definitely and what I am also for me it's always so important um, before starting any collaboration to really define together what are our objectives what do we want to reach together what is our goal because there are so many topics and ways how to go into the direction of inclusive and adaptive fashion like how to start that we really both sides really really know and understand what it means and which direction might give like the decisions we are taking uh, that we both know which direction this leads to both labels like that we really know and understand what it is to collaborate together first of all to define this objective and this, the second thing is what I for me personally because this is the um, uh, core with what our company stands and falls is that we are 100% community-based uh, label. So in our collaboration, we are, for us, it's super important that we are bringing also our designers with disabilities, that we are bringing photographers with disabilities. It can be also without disabilities. It doesn't need to be only with disabilities, but for us, it's important that they are part of our decisions. And this uh, also in the photo shoots, it's like everything what we are creating in the end of the collaboration, there must be also people with disabilities involved with uh, decision makers who are people with disabilities. This is like, this is just so important because when we are just starting product creations without our community, then we don't need to start. And this is what we learned with Augenhöhe. Just like that, we can create really, really perfect products. And I believe in this. And this is what the success of of Augenhöhe in the end of the day is. I want to drop one thing is because um you know if you look in the fashion industry in in the 
not in the verb fashion, but in the fashion industry, and you look at collaboration, um, you you see those capsules, and then there's one big brand collaborating with the other, and then this disappears. And that's that's not the goal, you know. So we 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 definitely don't want to paint ourselves with this inclusive topic, and we have one spring summer capsule of three four pieces, and then all this disappears. This is also in the sense of um, research and effort we're putting in into our production in order to make that happen. In no way sustainable. So I don't know whether collaboration is actually the right word. You know that it it's. It, um, but I think that's um, super important, and that's again, you know, that's just um, an indicator that we have to do a lot of talking, a lot of investigation, a lot of research in order to to find the right match, the, the right objectives, um, and to create this win-win situation. Clearly, definitely. Like this was also the last point. I think a long-term partnership in this topic is so so important, as also Mick mentioned, because in the end of the day, it's about humans and. It's not just like a trend topic uh, where we talk about the color palette. We talk about humans and this must be so clear. We talk about, and this is also what we are breathing and what we want to um, bring to the world that what we are talking about with Augenhöhe can't be a trend topic because simply we don't talk about the trend. We are talking about the longevity do you say this in english like longevity a long term like it's a commitment basically it's just a commitment and nobody needs to be afraid of this commitment i mean nobody has to be afraid about this i would say like this marriage contract because it's just something so beautiful what we can create together this is how the future must be seen like that we are creating something beautiful together what historically was ignored so far. Maybe partnership is even a better word than collaboration. I mean, just... Uh, yeah, and partnership is also better than marriage culture. <laughs> <laughs> a little less pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a really beautiful approach to it because it's also so... Like, this is how you really stand against the, like, the fashion machine of death that's like totally killing our planet and only, you know, profiting the very tiny 1%. And it's tricky because you are taking on the challenges of both working towards inclusivity as well as the challenges of working towards ethical, sustainable production. But you are also in that partnership bringing together your superpowers and really like important novel research that is not necessarily being done by the fashion industry at large and also this approach to problem solving that is a really i think underpracticed muscle in in most of fashion and so maybe you're doubling the challenges but you're also yeah doubling muscle can we say that <laughs> for, for, gaining this, for this partnership <laughs> gaining building muscle <laughs> um but mick i'm curious also like again like this this ambassador position plays such a crucial role in here because it then how you open it up to the rest of the world is kind of key to the success of this right like the storytelling exactly yeah. is key and so how do you how do you approach people who are maybe skeptical of this message i mean um the, the uh number one person i've involved in my life is my father and um my father does marketing and uh, does graphic design, and he was um, 
to kind of show with the also the beginning of the story he he picked me up from the meeting there and uh sema we took sema with us um for a short ride because it was super far away uh from there and we she began talking to my father about the concept of, of Augenhöhe and uh what the goal is um and he was immediately also hooked like like I was and um because I mean as a as a as a father of someone with small stature he also saw the difficulties of going shopping and uh finding stuff that would suit also the age that I am not just like something with like cartoon characters on or anything that's what I didn't like but I'm just wearing because it fits and um, yes I I tell them kind of people that I approach I tell them about ask some questions about like how, how do you buy clothes and like that and then and then they tell me and they go like yeah we just go we just go in the store and I said I would like to do that as well um, but I, I tell them the process that I have to do and then they're totally shocked that it takes so long to just get a pair of pants where they just go and buy the pants like um, yeah just go in the store and that was my that was my wish like all along to just go in the store like everyone else and just pick out a pants and make shopping a little more fun because that also made the attractiveness of shopping not that not that big and um that's why i um especially also um in my industry of uh, uh, acting uh, where uh for specific roles i need specific costumes these costumes get tailored like to my uh to my size but they have a lot of difficulties because they don't know how to deal with people with small stature because the back is different and uh, the legs are different. Uh, so they sometimes ask advice from Alfa or to see how they can do this without pulling their hair out. This is also like an interesting point, just like, uh, a couple of weekends ago, I was at this conference called Defashioning Education, which is all about like implementing holistic sustainability values specifically into education. And like, why don't we teach pattern making for different body types to fashion students? Even at this designer level, it is so normal, normalized, normified um, in a way that it's like designers entering the market don't actually necessarily know how to approach these design challenges. It can even start at something as basic as this. Yeah, it's true. When you say this, I remember like as a fashion student, when I was a student, um, I realized that all what I want to learn about accessible design is not written in books. So I have to really learn myself what it means to... Now, there are wordings like ex, um, adaptive and inclusive designs. Nowadays, we know and we these terminologies are more and more happening. But honestly, back then, there was no terminology about this. And I always said, by year of highest design, like accessible design, like it's all of my research is about accessible design. And I also realized when you start to read about that 
when you know like how long about also by history fashion is a important movement also political movement and people who like behind fashion like before i wanted to say also when maria said he doesn't like the word passion i know what you mean but when i say fashion i mean always a culture I'm always thinking about a culture because in the end, fashion is a culture. It's about identity. It's about expressing and so on. This is what I'm understanding about fashion when I use the terminology. But I understood also back then, crazy. It's so crazy that um, by humans did so many beautiful movements, mostly like when I'm thinking about it, like mostly historical, beautiful movements also what happened. But we are in 20 back then it was 2010 2013 we still don't create clothes for accessible designs and why is it like this how can we change that and how can we learn and teach at universities to designers what inclusive design and accessible design means and i remember that also my teachers and my student colleagues were kind of not afraid but zurückhaltend what is hesitated this topic because we didn't talk about that at university it was not written in school books and i agree with you lou that we have to teach this topic more and more at university for students that inclusive and adaptive design is nothing special anymore that it's just completely normal to create it into from the beginning on in design processes right these bodies I've always been here. All of our body types have always been here. And the fact that they've been excluded from the fashion conversation is just part of greater systemic marginalization that we're seeing. And what we know is that there's no reason for this other than I actually don't know the reason. Yeah. <laughs> I actually can't. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me at all in my brain when I try to figure it out. Um, just being conscious of time now, this has been... So inspiring, so generative. I feel like we could keep talking about this all afternoon. What pops up in my mind is that there is so much power in coincidence. I mean, this is like like same mom meeting Mick and um, meeting then Mick's father. And, you know, I'm listening because I had the speech there. I was sitting basically. Otherwise, I most likely wouldn't have sit there. So it's, it's amazing. Don't underestimate the power of uh, yeah, coincidence. Yeah, and I also thank the 2020-30 summit team. Oh my God, so many times because you're so right, Marian, that we met also thanks to this event and also I understood that it's so important to trust in this coincidence more and more like this beautiful collaboration must happen. Yeah, sometimes like that. I feel like I'm, um, you know, you you're not alone. <laughs> That's I think also a message. Like I think um, this, I think it's not easy to bring people together always to to exchange and to find the right environment to 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 meet. Um, but there's so much power into it, and it's just, um, yeah. I mean, I I hope you, you guys <laughs> continue doing so. Uh, I think this is uh, really fantastic. Well, keep your ear to the ground because we also possibly have some exciting things coming up in the works with Alf Algenhe. And, like, you know, we consider our community to really be 
long, long lasting partnerships. You know, like everybody who is in this 20, 20, 30 family brings something so unique to the table. Mick, really hope that you'll join us at our next event as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yes. (laughs) You know, like there's just, there's nothing but potential lying ahead of all of us. Right. Of course. Um, I'd really love to end with like a little bit of a lighthearted question just to like kind of like release all of this (laughs) like intense energy that we've been building over this hour. I would really love to hear what is everybody's favorite pair of jeans that you own? Just like rapid fire. What does it look like? Where did you get it? How long have you owned it? Why is it still in your closet? Um. Whoever's got the answer first, go for it. I mean, I must admit, my jeans is not really old because um, they're my my self-made. No, I didn't self-made it, but I designed the salvage jeans. It's by now completely ripped apart and a bit too tight uh, around my legs. So um, I just um, I'm wearing a jeans from um, our first men's drop, um, which is. Um, also part of inclusiveness for our brands because we have been only there for women so far. And it's a it's a baggy white leg jeans, uh, organic cotton with hemp, and it's it's really cool. I love it. And um, I didn't wash it yet. It's five months old. And that's uh, no, cool. I love it. I don't want to, I don't want that it looks like that we are promoting down denim, but I must say I have also a new <laughs> pair of jeans. <laughs> really, okay. I must tell you this because last week I got a pair of jeans from down denim for a TV show and I love it. And honestly, everybody said that it's so beautiful. Look, it looks so beautiful also with my outfit, like with my blazer I was wearing. But I don't know the style, like, I don't know how this jeans is called, but it has white legs. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit chopped and it just feels beautiful. But I know it sounds now like that we are promoting down denim, but this is the truth. <laughs> so I will not mention the names. <laughs> <laughs> and you will see it soon in the TV show, which we can send you also by when it's out, out there. Yeah, I would love to see it on the TV show as well. <laughs> Nick, what's your denim story? Uh, yeah, I have a pair of uh, blue jeans uh, denim and I I there was my first pair of pants that I on my own went to the seamstress and it kind of got me through uh, the time at acting school and like that so it didn't rip yes I mean now it's of course uh, very fragile as we know with pants can be um, and but yeah I still have it it fits and has a lot of memories I'd say yeah it's true yeah that's the nice yeah, thing about jeans and it's yeah. true with Of Augen Hill we don't have a real denim jeans yet that's why maybe you don't have a denim Of Augen Hill jeans but maybe it's well, yeah. another one <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> So Lou, Lou, what is your what is your jeans? My then, favorite Lou? pair of jeans. Oh gosh, I mean, I think that memories is actually the the thing that really ties us to this garment. For some reason, it's so powerful with jeans. This is why we jumped on it with twenty twenty thirty as well. It's just really so culturally loaded. It it holds so much love despite how dirty the industry is. But um, I, I shop mostly secondhand, so I would say my favorite pair of jeans is actually. A pair of 
Levi 501s that are, I don't think I'm the second, but probably the third or fourth owner of this pair of jeans based on how they looked when I got them. Uh, but I did some block printing on them that I really like. I block printed them to say prefigurative processes down the legs, which is my uh, favorite concept from anarchist theory. Um, it basically just means putting your values into your actions. Um and I love wearing these pair of jeans because uh, they make my butt look really good. And also I get to like <laughs> be a nerdy anarchist on the streets with them. Oh, so, that's cool. That sounds yeah, great. That would be my jeans story. Pictures next time. Yeah, pictures. definitely. Not in the show notes, maybe. But uh, <laughs> next 2020, 30. We'll see. All right. Well, I want to thank you all so much for your time. This has been fun. It's been emotional. Um, it's been informative. Um, and Mick, I, I really hope that we also get to meet in person someday yes, as well. Please, definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Lou, for guiding this really exciting conversation. I loved it so much. Uh, it was my pleasure to sit down with these incredible guests. I really recommend checking out the links in our show notes to learn more about the work that they do. They're all super inspiring, and I feel like we only grazed the tip of the iceberg on these really wild projects that they've got going on. Yeah, I'm sure there's so much more to learn, and I'm so excited to follow their journey and to see what the collaborations really might, uh, how they might become physical products even at the end of the day, which obviously is very exciting. And uh, I hope that we can re-invite them at some point, obviously, to, to bring that to the stage at 202030 or also here again in the podcast. We would really like to know your thoughts about the episodes and also on the former episodes. And please share them with us on Instagram and LinkedIn on 202030 Summit. And uh, we're also looking for recommendations for new speakers. So please be free to recommend us and send us recommendations uh, also through our LinkedIn or Instagram channel or directly via email on info at 202030summit.com. Yes, we're especially looking for the most progressive minds. So like if you know them, let us know. And if there is a topic you would like to hear more about in the future, please let us know as well. So it's actually an open call for either uh, recommendations for progressive minds as speakers and or topics uh, you would like to get tackled and be spoken in our podcast. Yes. And if you would like to learn further and more in depth about inclusivity, we are soon offering a workshop at Studio MMO4. So maybe, Lou, you could uh, enlighten our audience a little bit more about the content of this workshop. Absolutely. I think if we learned one thing in this episode, it's that inclusivity is a topic that is going to only be more and more relevant in the fashion context. And it's really important for stakeholders to get up to speed with what this means and also kind of break the ice on how to talk about it. So at Studio MMO4, we're going to be uh, offering this DEIB workshop. Uh, you can book it through our website, studiommmo4.com. And um What does DEIB stand for exactly again? Don't all acronyms just seem to get longer? Longer and longer. Longer and longer. So right now, DEIB stands for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging. Oh, the B is belonging. The B is belonging. And in order to uh, learn more about that, you can also stay tuned for our next episode where we are going to do an extra special deep dive into this topic with another one of our lovely Studio MMO4 team members, Lavinia Moot. So please stay tuned 
and follow us with our next episode where we are having a conversation with Lou and Lavinia about DIB. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.